Casey, how are you doing? Hey, B, thanks for calling. I'm doing pretty awesome. How are the cats? Oh, the cats are great. The cats are great. They they finally calmed down, you know. I thought I'd mix up their food a little bit with uh, the flesh of the fallen, but uh, they didn't really take to it, so it's just salmon from here on out. Yeah, I mean, it's hard once they have something they like. You just got to keep it. <laughs> Man, cats are so picky, am I right? Uh, anyway, what, what's up? What's up? Well, you know, I we, we're doing this episode, and um, there's some talk about Satanism, so I was wondering if you wanted to come on and talk about it, maybe defend yourself a little bit. I thought, ooh, ooh, that's today. Okay, okay. I saw your email, but uh, I mean, B, I'm, I'm just so busy. I mean, this morning, I got to go run to yoga practice for a bit, get my center, you know? And then after that, I got to go boil Kangas Kong for an hour and some change. And I mean, then I got to go pack a lunch for the kids and drive them to soccer practice. Then I got an appointment to get my horns waxed. Then I got to put a hot poker up Hitler's butt. And then uh, all this paperwork, B. I mean, I got this new shipment of pitchforks for the Lake of Fire demons and it's driving me nuts here. You know, you could have just said no. I'm sorry. I'm rambling. Anyway, you, you and uh, my favorite person, Jackson, have a great time. You know, uh, I expect great things from you, too. Thank you, Lucy. Take care. <laughs> okay, phone on. Good. My mom can call me. <laughs> Hello! Hello! And welcome to Homegrown A main spooky podcast about main spooky things, true crime, horror, cryptids. Today we're going to be talking about a murder. Satan? And Satan. There's going to be a little... Satan is going to be making a guest experience. Again. Again, on this episode. <laughs> we, yeah, we booked Satan yes. throughout his busy schedule. Mm-hmm. He's going to erupt out of the floorboards here. You know, that one time that I went to hell for being gay, I really enjoyed my time with Satan. So I thought it would be great to bring him back on the pod. It was really impressive that you're able to get like a leniency on your uh, sentencing. Is that what they do down there? They yeah, it's kind of crazy. Um, they don't send you up to heaven. They just send you back to earth because it's the closest thing to hell yeah they're so. like it's like whatever you got going back up there is way worse, <laughs> worse than, than what you've got down here like, yeah, i had a great time it's like up there you got like insufferable debt you gotta work for your entire life uh all we got down here is a lake of fire you, you know? know it's really funny satan is his professional name he really prefers to go by lucy <laughs> lucy yeah you know so think about that when you're talking about him all right perfect i'll go by his preferred name so uh, we're going to be talking about, well, how are you? I'll just start with, <laughs> hello, B. Um, are you are you doing that? Because I'm going to hate this. <laughs> you're like, how are you? I'm actually doing great. <laughs> good, good, good. Um, I haven't said it on the pod yet, but I am uh, changing careers. <laughs> Yay! So, I'm in the middle of doing that. I'm very much going to miss my old job. Goodbye, workers comp. Hello, working in benefits. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> so new and fresh. New and fresh. So, yes, I am very excited to be starting a new path in life. That's exciting. It's yeah. scary, but it's also exhilarating at the same time. It is exhilarating. It's thrilling. Everybody knows that your your job by now, right? Uh, yes, I think I think I think 
Most people don't. Most people have mentioned it to me. Most people have cried to me. Um, One of my underwriters put, Brittany is a traitor on his calendar for my last day, which I think is very funny. (laughs) We giggled about that. (laughs) That is is pretty funny. But, you know, know, it's time to move on. Sometimes you just got to... Go on to the next opportunity that's going to set you up for even yep. you know, more I am, I am a Gorby flying the nest. <laughs> <laughs> Ready to swoop in on a tourist's french fries. Yes. <laughs> so, you know, it's been... There's a lot of good energy in the air. Have you done so. your exit interview yet? Uh, that will be not next week, but the week after. I just did my exit interview uh, yesterday. Already? Yeah. Have like, you told a... people on the pod that you're leaving your job? Yeah, no. I think I mentioned at some point that I got a new job, but I don't know if I actually said it. But yeah, well, I also got a new job. Um, I'm not going to describe my work. No, uh, don't. And uh, no one cares. Uh, <laughs> but I had the exit interview, which is always such a weird experience to me. Like, when I think, all right, I don't have a, I have a very skeptical opinion usually of anybody that's in a leadership role, especially in an institution that is like primarily focused on making money. So usually whenever I think of HR, I think of them as usually they're the first line for the company's like defense, basically to Mm -hmm. like keep everything, you know, okay on their ends. Um, And they... Don't really, you know, the human resources always feels like a misleading title. I mean, they're just there to protect the company at the end of the day. Yeah. That's their job. That's what they get paid for. Um, and so anybody that's kind of in those roles, I'm always immediately skeptical of. But yeah, no, it was a fun uh, discussion. If you didn't know Jackson's, like, middle name is insubordination. <laughs> <laughs> I just think that workers need to, you know, know their rights. Um, and also need to act their wage. And, uh, but I believe, I, I like working, honestly. I do. I like, I probably. Good for you, yeah. Yeah, I, I like doing, I like work if it's meaningful. So I enjoy, yeah. if, that, if I find something enjoyable and meaningful, I usually work more on it because I just want it to be better than it is. But I don't fucking bust my back over like the tiniest of details like other people. I feel feel that yeah. because I do feel like for me the switch that I'm making is more meaningful to me yeah so I completely understand that like there's a lot of other factors but like that's that's one of the big ones yeah. is like if I can get a better a job with better pay better benefits that is you? more no. meaningful why wouldn't you exactly you know it's like I always think it's weird when somebody at like a not really great paying job who's not treating you well Mm -hmm. might come back and say, oh, but we really want to keep you. But they're not willing to match your expectations of like what you're producing. That's always strange to me. It feels like those kinds of businesses that are never like considerate of their workers just got to go away. Yeah. Anyway. You want to know who has great benefits? Satan slash Lucy. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, what's their, uh, do they have a 401k option? Yeah, they do. It's a 20% match. Wow. That's unheard of. It's fantastic. So, you know, what did he do today? (laughs) So, uh, well, it's going to be, well, not so much Satan, but we're going to be talking about, uh, (laughs) Satan will make an appearance. We've we've misled you. We've misled you. He is just, but a supporting actor. (laughs) 
supporting actor a wee role in the cosmic uh play of life yes um we're gonna be going to sanford maine today a little <laughs> southern maine action. okay sanford is the butthole of maine is it the butthole so of maine? when my mom when my parents div- uh, started the process of their divorce and they sold the house my mom moved to sanford and i was like motherfucker but so as i was talking to people I believe one of my friends said to me, it's like, well, do you realize that Sanford is always like four degrees hotter than any other place in Maine? (laughs) Because it is hell. (laughs) (laughs) Is it like super just, um, is it just kind of like a heat bubble? When I, I was looking, it's um, kind of in the valley. I was so, looking at it; it seemed like kind of nestled in the valley. Yes, and there's a lot of pavement. It looked like, uh huh. So I was like, so it's very yeah. toasty, but it's even funny. Like one of my underwriters used to live in Maine. He hasn't for years, and I had mentioned, yeah, my mom moved to Sanford. He's like, uh oh, <laughs> <laughs> I remember Sanford. I gotta say, people from Maine. No like offense to, to people who live in Sanford, but it's just not a. F- I was about to say, like people in Maine like to shit talk a it, lot of the towns around. But them. Sanford is where dreams go to die. Oh my god. Allegra Allegra's <laughs> first job was also in Sanford at her uncle's law firm and she said there like every time we go to Sanford there is a shift. You just feel the depression oh in this gosh. town. That's what I felt like when driving through Connecticut. <laughs> the whole of Connecticut? Pretty much all of Connecticut. The moment I entered the state, I just felt an overwhelming sense that everybody lived there was angry, bitter, and like yeah just mad at each other it's a very angry place so you know i'm whatever's about to happen i guess i'm not surprised (laughs) uh sanford actually used to be a lot worse off you know back oh absolutely especially post 1950s they had their big mill there closed down permanently now it's just kind of like uh i actually wouldn't mind sanford i don't know it seems like they have decent housing at least well priced probably for a reason but anyway um (laughs) <laughs> it seems to be it's making more of a resurgence in its history mm-hmm. recently than in the past. So if it's the butthole of Maine, then it got bleached recently. <laughs> <laughs> Today we're going to be going back, though, to 1984. The 80s, my dude. Mm-hmm. Tubular. Rad. Amazing. <laughs> so among things that are, happened around this time in the 80s, you know, 1984 specifically, Wild Time, beginning of the year, Steve Jobs released the Macintosh personal computer. Ooh. So then become the juggernaut that, of the like, company. like the big, the big kind of, the, the, the ones that you would see in the computer labs with like the colored backs. And yeah, yeah. Sort of egg-shaped in the back. Exactly. Those egg-shaped ones, the famous in Zoolander. The files are in the computer. <laughs> <laughs> um, great movie. Uh we also had uh, the Winter Olympics were held in February. Thought you'd like to know that. I love the they Olympics. They were held that year in Sar- the Winter Olympics. Sarajevo. 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 Sorry. We don't have a linguist consultant on this podcast. We should. Maybe we should reach out to somebody. <laughs> Sarajevo, Yugoslavia. And uh, oh. there was also a lot of crazy stuff happening in the Middle East, India, Pakistan. Not much has changed. Uh, but... Uh, we're not here to talk about diplomatic relations, P.E., because we're here to talk about murder. Oh, boy. Okay. All right, let's shift here. So we're going to be talking a little bit about um, Giselle Ann Cote, who was born December 22nd. How do you spell? Cote, uh, C-O-T-E. Cody. Okay, I knew a guy that went by that same last name, 
His name, how he pronounced it, was Coat. It's Cody here. I'm going with Coat. Because there's Cody's in Brunswick. It's an ice cream shop. Everyone knows Cody's. Everyone here is wrong. (laughs) To appease what is probably the mass of Mainers listening to this podcast, I'll say, begrudgingly, Cody. (laughs) Giselle and Cody... Barbarians, <laughs> was born December 22nd, 1971. And by the time that 1984 rolls around, she is 12 years old. Is that correct? Yes. Uh, oh, no. Uh, and she's at this time in the sixth grade at the Sanford Middle School. Uh, she was really well liked. She was raised, uh, well, she was born from John and Alma Cody, Um at this time, she's kind of being raised uh, alongside John's girlfriend, who's named Betty. Um, she was well-loved, had a ton of friends. She did a lot of activities. She was into softball. I want you to explain my face to everyone. Your I face know is where very upset. We all know what's happening. Uh, and I have no idea how to change my tone to be more serious sounding. So that's on me. Um Giselle Ann Cody, you know, well-loved, very kind person. Literally every, like, testimony of her is just, like, super nice. Very friendly. Had a great smile. Uh, She would trade stickers with classmates. Apparently in the 80s, trading stickers was a big thing. So she would, like, be trading. She had a binder of stickers, would trade them a lot with other classmates. Mm. Um, She also had a big bumper sticker that said, I love Maine. Into Maine, apparently. Wait, the 12 year old did? Yeah. Oh, in her. In her binder. Gotcha. You. you can carry around a bumper sticker. <laughs> yes, I see. Yes. You slap stickers on your laptop, you know? I also, yeah, on my water bottle. Yeah, on your water bottle. You know, you can put, a, that's the beauty of stickers to me. You can put them anywhere. Yeah, I've got them all over. <laughs> I'm a sticker girl, too. I understand. On April 29th, 1984. The Cody family were gathering for dinner, but Giselle didn't come home that day. John called the police to report his missing daughter, and the search was on. But the search didn't last long, because on the next day, Giselle was found about 100 yards away from her home, obscured in the Massam River, and covered by grass and branches. No. Okay. Okay. Uh, over the course of that week, um, so talking to the uh, classmates, the classmates were not informed about Giselle's disappearance on that last day. Really? Yeah, they were. They were actually instructed. Students um, were instructed not to listen to radio during that day because the principal got wind of what happened. That's. And, and they didn't want to, I guess, disrupt their day. Because it was already, I guess, like morning into the first period. What do you think about that? Do you think they should have breaked and, and talked yes. about this? Abs- yeah. Okay. So as somebody who has lost a lot of classmates. Yeah. There, I think there was one time where they like actually were like, we're closing school for the day. Yeah. And we will just be offering like um what's the word um supportive services. supportive services thank you 
And because I, it, it's happened through, like, it, the first time it ever happened, I was in the third grade. Mm-hmm. We didn't stop classes, but, like, we had a whole, like, they, the teacher told us, they gave us all these little worry dolls. What's a worry doll? So it's like this little, not knit, but it's like this little, it has little beads on it that make up its little clothes and stuff like that. So basically they're like, you can have this worry doll, you can tell it your worries, and it will take them away. Oh, and you can, I remember those. I yeah. like... I remember um, seeing those in like a similar thing in Mexico a lot. Yes, yeah. that's 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 the vibe. Um, and so our teacher explained, you know, she's going to be out because she's going to be going to the services and, you know, just sort of explaining what was happening. We took a whole section to we did, you know, how you have like your journal, like you journal in school and then you like draw the picture and then you write about the picture. It was like, draw your favorite memory with Nathan and stuff like that. And it was mm-hmm. very much like they took the time to try. To try. I still have had a lot. Like, that's something I worked through in therapy later in life. Because when you're like, how do you? But um, I think I appreciate them trying more than... Especially since, like... T- because 12, like, sixth grade, like, you know a bit more about life. Some people have probably already experienced death in some ways, like, with a grandparent or great-grandparent. To hide it, I hate it. Yeah. I, I hate it. Especially when we're talking about, like, a small-town community. I hate it. Around 1984, Sanford's only, like, 18,000 people, you know? Word travels fast, you know? Especially if this is someone someone that's well-liked that you're friends with, like... The amount, the, the feeling of. People not, would be asking already, where's Giselle? You yeah, know? it's not betrayal, but, you know, just being like the adults decided to hide this from me. What else are they hiding from me? And then I, I don't know. The if mistrust. There must have been some kind of assembly later on to talk about there, this. There had to have been. Because, yeah, it's like to just not talk about it. The kids found out that night, obviously. And I know if someone is going to say, oh, well, it might be different if someone's disappeared. When I was in the eighth grade, one of the high schoolers disappeared. And we knew. Everyone yeah. knew. We yeah. all talked about it. Everybody knew. One time I, uh, there was some kid that I knew that was rooming with former roommate of mine Mm -hmm. and he just straight up disappeared one day and no one like i asked a bunch of people like do you know what happened to this kid and they're like oh i don't know that guy he was kind of like a little off um there was a lot of things i think that was going on with him like he did you ever find out what happened to him? i knew that he just got back he was there at the college but he also just got back from deployment so he just finished up some tours Ooh. and he was like partying straight up, just going crazy, like dropping acid and like okay. going nuts. Yeah. And then he just dipped like no idea where he went. And I asked the roommate, my former roommate, yeah. and he he says, like, I have no idea what happened to him. <laughs> I'm like, what the fuck? Oh, no. So, well, I, uh, yeah, uh, qu- crazy stuff. Hoping to be positive. I hope that guy is somewhere and he's doing okay. No idea. Barely knew the guy. No, but, uh, yep. Um, so, into in back to Sanford, fear, sadness, gripping the community at lightning speed, mm-hmm. and the killer is on the loose. But not for long. That week, on May 3rd, 1984, I believe it was a Thursday, Sanford High School is playing their annual spring concert at the Memorial Gym. 
when police entered and arrested a Scott Waterhouse, who was 18 years old at the time. He was being charged for murder of Giselle, obviously. Crazy. He was a drummer, I guess, in the band, so I I don't know how that would work. They just went in there and just stopped the concert grab. Yeah, they probably pulled aside the teacher and was like, we're taking... You know, I doubt they pulled anybody aside. I think they just you think came they just in. came like, in. There he is. There he grabbed him. Get him. <laughs> oh. Police won't give you any opportunity to like think about the situation. No. They're just going to grab you. You're him. right. You are correct. They're just going to come in and be like, you come in with us. Bye bye. Continue. I'm getting to oh, my you're... spot. Rude. Sorry. <laughs> Multiple witnesses had testified seeing Scott in the wooded area that was uh, near where Giselle was discovered. Mm-hmm. Um, one testimony that was very convincing to like basically affirm Scott was the person that did this was an individual that saw Scott that was by kneeling by the river, very nearby where Giselle was found, um, and he was gathering up sticks and grass. Like branches and grass. So she was already, she was covered and hidden with that. Um, That person like saw Scott, asked him what he was doing. And he said, oh, I'm just looking for a decent fishing spot. And he noted, seemed really weird because he didn't have any fishing gear on him. him. Yeah. Uh, He even like got really close to him and like even shook Scott's hand to like say hi. Um, So that was pretty convincing as far as like, to very basically confirm that was Scott. I was very close to him. That was definitely him. I spoke to him. I saw like I yeah. it wasn't from a distance. Like I was close enough to touch him. And there were like nine other witnesses as well that had seen Scott around this area kind of being shady. Uh, there was other evidence that was put into the court as well. So the jury got to listen to like five hours worth of recorded conversations with Scott and the police where Scott would talk about a lot of stuff. He talked about tractor pulls, concerts, and his belief in uh, Satanism. So apparently that year, (sighs) we'll get there. We're getting into the satanic panic. We're going to talk a little bit about that. Um, Jackson, I don't think you understand. Like the satanic panic is one of my special interests. That's why we're talking about this, so it'll be an interesting conversation. (laughs) Scott apparently got into Satanism earlier in the year when he bought uh, the Satanic Bible from his local bookstore. I don't see the Satanic Bible in bookstores anymore. Probably due to the Satanic panic in the 80s, I would imagine. But uh, I knew one kid back in high school that like read it and was like, I don't know, into it or Mm -hmm. something. Um but we'll talk about that. I'm just going to put it out there. I'm pretty sure the Satanic Bible does not say go out and kill a 12-year-old. No, it doesn't. It does not say that. Actually, there was um, some discussion within the courts to talk about like, well, Satanism really isn't the contributing factor here. It's the fact that he fucking murdered somebody. Right. And it's it's the same thing for like when they started, you know, I think of Columbine when they're like, oh, no, it's the video games. And it's like, no, the video game did not say go shoot your school up. Like, that's yeah. not that's not how this works. <laughs> there is obviously it seemed, though, from the testimony of also family around uh, Waterhouse that 
he was being influenced by his new obsession with this. Like he said that, yeah, when he got into Satanism, he started becoming like more aggressive and like acting like a tough guy and being more of an asshole. And I don't know why he was doing that. It seemed like from the recorded conversations that Scott was basically using his belief to just kind of be an asshole, do whatever he wanted. And that's on him. Yeah, that's on him. <laughs> um, he was also, you know, he was a... The prosecutors were, like, leaning a little bit on on him being, like, you know, into Satan. Which that's... You, they see, you his, see that at this time. That makes sense. They were saying he's a stand for Satan. Uh and, you know, yeah, he, there was all these conversations that he was having. And also, within those discussions, they were talking about his um, drug use as well, where he would... You know what? Smoke Maybe. That. Maybe. <laughs> oh, wait. Is he just doing marijuana? He's smoking the devil's lettuce, and he's dropping in to see what condition his condition was in. He's doing acid also. Okay. So that, that may be that. I don't think it's the marijuana. It's probably, if it's marijuana, it's probably the combination of the fact that he's taking that with other drugs. I don't know if he's taking it with other drugs. Okay, but there is acid involved. There is acid. And I mean, like, I don't know. I've seen people be on acid. And they're, they're not murdering people. They're not murdering people. Yeah. So that was also. So what you're saying is he's just an asshole. He's just an asshole. Got that's, it. That's it. Or mentally ill. I think he's mentally he's ill. He's most likely mentally ill. Um, And he's using this structure philosophy to basically justify him uh killing somebody he's not outright saying this within the trial this is just like conjecture kind of brought up by the lawyers saying like he's using this as a crutch to just do whatever the fuck he wants got you um understood but also people are saying like drug use and believing doing satanism or whatever does not a murderer make yes um, which is very, you know, it's like, and I get it that there's a, I think now there's a big satanic panic now within, um, society. Don't I think in general. get me started. Yeah. <laughs> well, we can see a lot of what's happening in Florida and uh, figure that out. So I think there's just a lot of, uh, otherism happening right now. A lot of, um, attacking, like people are looking for enemies. It feels like, um, yes. and I think like what the argument I hear is like from other people certain political affiliations oh the other side is pedophiles and worship satan it's like what the fuck like the, no none of those things are true um it's we like, all love it, pizza game but it's just weird that it's like they worship satan so they're evil and it's like it's so weird to just demonize people within this country it's like we all live in the same fucking place we're all trying to help each other <sighs> anyway there was some other evidence that was introduced uh, here. What was pretty disturbing was Scott had left notes in Giselle's locker, calling her out, calling her pretty, asking for her to reciprocate his feelings and threatening her. Oh, I see what's happening now. <laughs> Things are making sense now. Yeah. One final note said that Giselle should meet him and wear a purple top and purple socks. He. <sighs> okay. So reviewing where uh, Giselle was found, it was surmised from the evidence of the positioning of her body that Giselle was lured from her home into the woods by Scott, where then Scott tied Giselle's wrist as part of a game because it was seen that there was very little sign of struggle. Then Scott proceeded to strangle Giselle and hide her body. 
but not before he masturbated onto her. Seamon was found on the scene of the crime. It was hard to directly tie it to Scott, since the DNA sample was similar to 32% of white males, according to forensics. But considering all the evidence, the witness testimony, it's very clearly Scott. I also don't think that Scott murdered her and then somebody else came up on her remains and did that. I, yeah. The, that seems that's very not, unlikely. That seems... Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> you okay? Yeah, it seems unlikely. Ow. <laughs> <laughs> He just smashed her foot. My knee. knee into the table. My little kneecap. Under a shitty little table. <laughs> <laughs> the jury convicted Scott for the murder of Giselle. No shit. Yeah. And then later he was served his sentence for life imprisonment. Good. Where he sits to this day. There he is. Got a little photo. I'm of assuming him. he didn't have the beard at the time. No, he looked very um, Brady Bunch. Uh, my next question, so how, when was he, so he was 18 when the murder occurred, how old was he when he, do you know how old he was, like, how, how, qu- how quickly did this, the proceedings go? Uh, the proceedings, so I believe he was charged within the same year, by December, or okay. no, actually it was November, he was given the life sentence. Okay, so he's, yeah, so he was young when he. Yeah, he was still okay. 18, he's like in his 50s now or something. Um. He did actually try to appeal the decision in 1986. For why? He was saying that the prosecutor was leaning too much on the Satanism arguments and that um, and that by doing that, they were coloring the jury's perception of him. Here's the thing. You still murdered somebody. No, he still murdered somebody. <laughs> Absolutely. It sucks because it's kind of true. Are you for oh, what the fuck is it? The Damien Eccles case. It's called something, but I can't remember because I am a, a loser. So basically, long story short, there were these three boys that were convicted of murdering a child because they were punk goth. Uh, and they were like, well, because they're punk goth, they are Satanists. And one of them also what? had developmental disabilities. So they, the police were able to get him to... Um, go against or, or say like the implicate the other two yeah, basically and say yes this is what we did the West Memphis Three mm-hmm. so this like but so this occurred in 1994 19, uh, 1994 is when they were convicted 1993 is the year that the murder occurred Oh, it's three boys. That's why it's called the West Memphis Three. Um, but yeah, it was just there. There isn't much. There wasn't much aside from they're probably Satanists. Mm. And so they, they doctored. They, they doctored like, this oh, okay. um, confession. Wow. So Damien Eccles is still fighting because I believe he is still on death row. Jeez. And he is still fighting. Um, and there's been a lot of breaks in the case. He's very outspoken. But because of that, and I'm sorry it was so, like, disjointed and rambly, but because of that, I see where he's, like, because we see it. I mean, this ha- the West Memphis 3 happened after this. Yeah. But 
that does become a pattern. Mm-hmm. We, we know he murdered this girl. We yeah. know he did. But also at the same time, the law doesn't always take into consideration. Like, they're like, well, yes, we could have a new trial. You're still probably going to end up with the same thing. But we can at least do it right. <laughs> it's kind of seemed like that's what he was trying to do. Um, and the court was arguing, okay, so do we throw out all the Satanism shit? And they were like, no, we're not going to because... it's going to be the same... We're going to come to the same conclusion. Actually, no, they just determined that it was okay to keep the Satanist stuff because we still think that it speaks to your character and a bit to why you did it. Okay. Uh, one of the passages from the Satanic Bible that they quoted was, this Satan represents indulgence instead of abstinence. Satan represents all of the so-called sins as they all lead to physical, mental, or emotional gratification. Are we not all predatory animals by instinct? If humans ceased wholly from preying upon each other, could they continue to exist? Death to the weakling, wealth to the strong, blessed are the powerful, for they shall be reverenced among men, cursed are the feeble, for they shall be blotted out. Do you think, because you know the Bible, are there any sections of the Bible that somebody could just pull it, like just that section, and you could be like, yeah, they read the Bible, and this it says this, so they murdered this person? Um... Yeah, there's some stuff you could pull from like it directly to say, oh, the, the they say this, so clearly they did this. There's a passage that says you will not allow a witch to live, which some people would consider is... I really hope the wrong people aren't listening to this. Oh, yeah, we have like a huge right wing <laughs> fan base, B, <laughs> obviously. <laughs> That's kind of terrifying. Well, yeah, and then there's, you know... I mean, um, obviously, I, I'm saying, like, it's terrifying if you have if you do have people that are taking, like, wholesale, my interpretation is a literal interpretation. Yeah, and actually, that's a big thing that, um, that I spend talking with um, people about is, like, looking at some of the scripture and discussing um, just kind of, like, the historical context of it and, like, you know... If you're going to talk about, let's talk about like Paul's letters to different churches. Mm-hmm. Um, when they're talking about one instance, uh, when he's writing to Ephesus about not letting women have like power or be flaunty or whatever, um, the historical context is that he's only speaking to this instance of a church because of their deep ingrained belief into Artemis and worship of women already. And that when he's talking about flaunting wealth and stuff, it's like, that's actually uh, or flaunting mm-hmm. revealing it's less it's not actually about revealing clothes it's more about like you're where acting rich and showing off all your rich shit and you're like kind of being an asshole is <laughs> basically what it kind of boils down to there's some other stuff in there that i don't mm-hmm. jive with though and i really attest that to just like they don't have everything no. figured out back in uh yeah you know uh, I think it was like 63 <laughs> at that point. Which that, yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. And I think very similar to like the Bible, same thing with this, the satanic Bible is they're written by men. They have biases and they have, have, have a trajectory that they're going for. So yeah. I think taking it out of context also further skews that. Yeah. I think it's a, I think. With anything that's like 2,000 years old plus. Well, do you know when the Satanic Bible like became a thing? I'm going to go look. Go look at it. 
Also, there's, I think, a big distinction between what people perceive today as the satanic church versus, like, Satan worshipers. Mm. There's a big difference, because I don't think a lot of people in the satanic church actually believe in God or Satan or anything. It's more of just, like, a uh, You're not protest gonna... against churches. So, so the satanic temple is a protest. Satanic, satanic church is is separate okay that's anton levey's gig okay oh yeah yeah yeah. so that's um i want you to guess they're in san francisco right um satanic church i believe so uh i want you to guess what year this was published um 1972 69 really the sexiest year sexiest year 1969 yep Wow. 19, 1969. 1969. Was yeah. published by Anton LaVey. Because yeah. he's he's the he's the guy. Yeah, he started it. He is the guy. It's under it's listed under supernatural fiction. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> Does that mean the Bible could also go under supernatural fiction? There's all those uh, videos sometimes of people like taking the Bible and putting it in fiction. So it's kind of funny. Yeah, that's what Anton LaVey looks like. Oh yeah, I've seen this weirdo. Yeah. Yeah, he looks like uh, a mix of Lex Luthor and uh, Doctor Strange. He does. He does. He does. He does. He does. Kind of a weird looking guy. Yeah. I feel like, because he's not, as far as I'm aware, like, again, not about, yeah, San Francisco. Dude's not about, like, murdering people, but he is all about the sex magic, which I think I've mentioned before. Yeah, yeah. He's very that. much into sex magic. So, like, yeah, there's... um. So, but there is a distinction. So when we're talking mm-hmm. about this, this guy is following this Anton LaVey kind of bullshit um, versus the Satanic Temple, which is a protest against um, churches which I not think, getting taxed. Yeah, I wonder. So, yeah, so we're thinking, uh, let me see, Satanic Temple, just to... I just want to know when... That was fa- so. It was Satanic Temple was founded in 2012. Oh, okay. So much, much relatively newer. recently. Yeah. I remember there was a long time that they were like fighting to get recognized as a church. I remember hearing about that, and then they're based in Salem, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think yeah. Well, we've been to the the one in Salem. I fe- I think one of the places I felt the most at peace was at the Satanic Temple. Yeah. It was lovely. I always think it's really funny because like I hear sometimes they'll do these like community programs or after school programs that they're yeah. promoting, and uh, and it's really funny to me because it's like it's like sp- the, all the shit says like sponsored by the Satanic Temple and all that, and it's yeah. really funny because it's like you know you got a bit of a hard sell here. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like Salem probably is cool. They're like, they're, they're, they're more, like, sure, they're, absolutely. They're probably more privy to like understanding where they're yeah. coming from and like what they're doing actively versus the rest of the country who isn't going to read past the name. Yeah, because you know? I know that. So this this section kind of has stuff to do with what we're talking about. I want to take a hard left real quick because I want to talk about something. Did you ever watch the um, the Chilling Adventures of Sabrina? No, no. I the didn't. reboot? Okay. No, I didn't watch so, the reboot. So, they, their whole thing is, their whole take on it was the witches are Satanists. Okay. Adjacent. They worship Satan. So, they used a statue of Baphomet. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And the Satanic Temple knocked on their door and was like, hey, hey, I know you don't know this, but um, we created that 
statue and um it is our intellectual property and it's copyrighted so um cease and desist wow so did they change the statue throughout the series i don't know if they did and i don't know what how they ended up what they ended up coming to but yeah basically they were like you are co-opting our quote-unquote religious symbol because that's that's their whole gig is like is it religious we don't know but you can say it is because their whole thing is like well if we're a religious organization and these are our beliefs we want to be treated the same way as christian churches yeah and so it's the same thing they were kind of like you're co-opting our religious symbol of baphomet because baphomet goes way back like way back but they this is their version of baphomet and they're like you are taking it and portraying it in a negative light right so not only have you broken copyright law, <laughs> but also you're making our religion look bad. So, I gotta say though, like from this whole conversation, it did sort of create a minute satanic panic within the community. Sure did. Like they, you know, like there was some people saying like, well, they found other worshipers, but apparently they said there's no actual cult here, but who knows there might be one, like one person said. Ah uh, yes, a cult in Sanford. I remember one time... You know, time, I want to hear from Lucy. What does he think of this? Yeah. So we have Lucy here. Hello. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but what were you going to say? I interrupted you. No, no. I just think it's like, it is kind of weird. Um, yeah. No, it's like people People really... This kind of just fueled the satanic panic fear that happened. And I mean, like, what's unfortunate about this is like, you have a group of people that are taking whatever literature this is and then just using it to justify their stupid, selfish, asshole behavior. Yeah. Um, and then you have people who just see that on the surface and then take it to an extreme and start going after nerds playing D&D, people listening to metal music. They start deciding Yeah, I remember that, when D&D... Oh, these, these make me uncomfortable. D&D so was Satan. like... They were like, D&D is just a bunch of kids getting together and worshipping Satan. Yeah, basically. Uh, They're I, learning magic. You, you know what? Having played D&D, I definitely think that our fun little role plays, it's just all in the service of our Dark Lord. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I can actually cast Fireball. <laughs> <laughs> blown um, up so many houses <laughs> I, yeah but in this instant it's i think it's this is this discussion is always worth having but in this instance yes this fucker did do it and yeah. um yeah because most of the time like a lot of times with satanic panic stuff like with the west memphis three also one of the things that really kicked it off involved a daycare mm -hmm. and like Dude, if you don't know anything about that, holy shit, dig into that, because yeah. that was bonker bonkers. But in most of the cases, it's just punishing people who actually didn't do anything wrong. Yeah, no, it's like shaming them for doing something different, doing listening to different music that maybe makes you uncomfortable. Um, it's like, we're, we like metal. So it's like, it's weird to think that anybody would like come at us for liking our music selection when it's like metal is like talk talks sometimes about satan but most of the time it doesn't it's just i just love the heavy shit man mm -hmm. give me some shredding baby and i always think it's like they always talk about devil shit or whatever just because like oh it's metal as hell 
yeah. it's dope. You know, it's cool to talk about like fire and chains. And that's and like, and like you're not gonna turn around and say somebody like Stephen King or Dean Koontz or Gillian Flynn, none of them are Satanists or murderers because they write about dark things. Well, I don't know about Stephen King. King. <laughs> uh, Mr. King. He's on my shit list. <laughs> oh my god, it was really funny. I was watching. I was watching. There's a YouTuber that I watch that does a lot of content, like pulling stuff from Reddit and stuff. Yeah. But he also streams video games, and they were playing this game called Demonologist. And he said, "Are we in New England? Am I that one guy, um, Stephen King, where it's like all of my books are in New England, and I'm the main character?" <laughs> and I just had a cackle. That's funny. Because his name is One Topic and he's from Canada. Yeah. So it was very funny where it was just sort of like, I guess, a Canadian's perspective of Stephen King. Oh, man. I love that. I love that. That's really funny. Um, It is kind of sad, though, like this poor town going through all this and then having this like bad taste and fear that might linger for a while. When I go to like tiny little towns like this, you know what I'm looking for? I'm looking for a yard sale. And that brings us to our next mainism. Hey, hey, it's a mainism. That was the sharpest left turn you've ever taken. I figured it was about time. Uh, I think we've said what we said. Yeah, I think I said what I said. I said what I said. Uh, I said, I said, I said. Uh, so, um. Yard sales. Do you go is to that, them? Is that a main only? Yes. Okay. So no, we're going to be talking so, about a very specific thing, but I want to ask okay, about the yard sales. Okay. So yes. So my grandmother does a yard sale every year. Uh, we used to do a big yard sale. Like, so growing up, my entire family, like my mom's entire side of the family, like most of them all lived on a single street. So we did a couple yard sales there. Um... Uh, yeah, I've been to many a yard sale. <laughs> <laughs> Do you get anything good? Do you like haggle when you go? I've never haggled. No? I'm trying to think of... <sighs> what is like the... My wife buys more stuff at yard sales than I do. I'm about to like engage in a, a yard sale. I'm going to bring some stuff to it. I was thinking about maybe bringing in some of my... Um, old consoles because i've had Mm. i've had about two generations of xboxes right now um and i'm thinking i'll just bring my 360 what yard sale um it's a it's a church i go to church oh it's a church okay it's a a church thing (laughs) yeah um so actually i do know i have a yes so the best thing i ever got that i did not really understand or appreciate at the time was a VHS copy of Ninja Scroll. (laughs) I got it from my grandmother's yard sale. Oh, yeah. It must have been like... um, How old were you when you picked this bad boy up? (laughs) I was like 10. 10 years old, you pick up Ninja Scroll. If y'all haven't seen Ninja Scroll, it's a great anime movie. But the beginning is very jarring, especially for 10 years. That so is, I, it is very I, uncomfortable. I put it in. I started watching it. I freaked out. I took it out of the VCR. I took it into the kitchen and I threw it away. Yeah. <laughs> did you like turn it? Did you bring it out of the trash? You just left it there? I just left it in the trash. Damn. Dude. Yep. There it is. Then there it shall stay. <laughs> R.I.P. But yeah, I feel like yeah, I did not get very far. But yeah, it was just one of those things where like it is it is material that is uncomfortable for I think uncomfortable in general. But like when you're that young, you're like, oh, 
Which is really funny because I started reading fan fiction when I was like 10. So <laughs> take that with a grain of salt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you were on the dark parts of the internet. Fanfiction.net is not the dark part of the internet. So it's still dark. a bunch of 12 year olds fucking writing fanfiction. Just writing Satan worship. Uh, so for a while, I don't know how many years this has been going on. We just missed this opportunity, unfortunately. Is there a- Cornville, Maine, annually at this point, has a 10-mile yard sale. Oh, shit. It's 10 miles long. The event typically runs along a 10-mile loop down Route 150 to Skohegan and back up West River Road, Cornville, Maine. It's a massive opportunity. People bring in all the shit that they don't want. And that you can buy for pennies on the dollar. We should go next year, when the next time it happens. We should go. It looks pretty sick. Records. Bunch of stuff, dude. That, I would love that because I, I just started collecting, or not too long ago, I started collecting vinyl, which also I told my grandmother I was collecting vinyl and she's like, you're kidding. And I'm like, no. And she's like, I just brought all of my mint condition James Brown vinyls what? to the give and take. And I was like, oh, no, I love James Brown. Oh, and she got rid of those. I'm too. so upset. You could have like. My mom and I just looked at her, our jaws agape, and we were like, you did. You brought it to the give and take. You just gave away thousands of dollars. dollars. (laughs) You just pissed it away. You lit a barrel of money on fire. Also, the other thing about yard sales is so my other grandmother, we were going through her stuff to see. She was like, do you want any of your old toys and stuff? Because I'm going to put a bunch of it in the yard sale. And so we found a bunch of Beanie Babies. We found the Princess Diana Beanie Baby. Jackson, that Beanie Baby has gone for $25,000. <laughs> Why? I don't like that people um, do. Unfortunately, she has the full size. It's called a Beanie Buddy, so it's like yay big. Like this big. <laughs> and um, the Beanie Baby is the one that sold for $25,000. So we could probably get like $100 out of it. But I'm like, don't put it in the yard sale. Because <laughs> you're going to like sell it for like two bucks. Um, yeah, yeah. Save it. A yard sale is not meant to be like a thing that you make a shitload of money. It's to get rid of stuff you know. It is, yes. It's like, and and people feel like they're getting a bargain because you're literally giving away stuff for like dollars. Yeah, you know. So people feel good. It's like, so when I'm gonna bring my like video game, old video games and stuff, it's like it's all Xbox 360 games. Yeah. So it's like. Yeah, it's these like, are going to go for like a couple dollars each because it's such also, a dated. But also, the other thing that's kind of nice. But I do have nice. a whole console that I think should go for a little bit more. Maybe like 20 bucks? Yeah, maybe, maybe 40, 40. Because I have a bunch of. I mean, that's of, still a good deal. I have a deal. bunch of add-on components. And also, it's a unique 360 model. Mm-hmm. It's like, if I actually sold it, I could probably make 100 bucks off it. Yeah. But if that's going to a yard the, sale, the other thing about The other thing. thing about yard sales is, like, it's typically... It is, and is this, like, to... Like, it's a, not charity, but, like, it's to, it go, yeah, it to goes, generate revenue for the church. Yeah, so, because you know, this church that's, makes no money. <laughs> yeah, so... But that's... that's that You're like, I'm doing a nice thing. Yeah, it's like, know? it's not for... But also, the other yeah, thing that's kind of... In that instance, it's like, okay, it could go to somebody who otherwise might not be able to afford that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, I was actually... When I, I recently moved up to the, um, I, I usually just kind of keep all my console hardwares. Yeah. I recently moved up to the latest Xbox model, 
And I have the old Xbox One. And pretty much every time that I've upgraded, I text my brother yep. um, to say, hey, do the kids want a console? Um, he usually says no. <laughs> my kids don't play video games. <laughs> Actually, they recently got... Um, uh, they those kids did get a switch, so apparently. they're they're like we're good, <laughs> we're good, we're covered. They're they're very they're knees deep into Tears of the Kingdom. They don't need anything I else. Think that's, <laughs> I think it's honestly fair because like if you have a bunch of consoles and stuff, especially as a kid, you're just gonna play that all the time. You're not gonna do anything else, you know. So it's like. Yeah, I think it's better, especially if they're like, you're talking about 11 year olds, 12 mm. years olds. Like, yes, have other things that aren't video games to round out their interests and personality. Yeah. I was very obsessed with video games as a kid, so I'll say that from experience. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I mean, wish... you're pretty well rounded now. I'm well, I, that's, uh, that's because I was like put into schools that I sleep at. <laughs> like I had to be well rounded, you know? It's like it was just gonna happen. Like that's like, not so weird. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I was interacting with like kids my age constantly and doing getting up to no good. So yeah, I became well rounded through those experiences. Um so if so moral of the story is if you want to make a lot of money, don't put it in a yard sale. If you want to save a lot of money, go to a yard sale. There you go. There's the moral of the story, mm-hmm. not the previous one, but the one we just talked. The about one we just talked minutes. about. Yeah, um, <laughs> I don't know what the moral of that story was. Don't be an asshole. Don't murder people. I do have to say, I don't think I mentioned it, but like when we were talking about all the Satanism stuff, the jury said. We spent little time talking about the Satan stuff. So there's that's probably also why they, the, the the court was like when he put in this appeal was like negligible. Pretty much, yeah. It's like yes, the prosecutor. From what I read, the prosecutor did spend a lot of time talking about drugs and Satanism, which is kind of like whatever. The jury didn't spend that much time talking. No, about because that. they're like, you murdered a twelve-year-old. That's what's important, buddy. Yes. So I think it was a very well-adjusted viewpoint from the jury to focus on okay great he does these things whatever he still murdered somebody fuck that you know and i guess you could also say like yes they spent time on that but also in other cases like that is something that a lawyer will lean on because look at cases like what what was the name the swimmer that raped that girl what the fuck was her name that's excellent oh. i don't remember his name you mean fantastic the brock turner yes brock turner it's great i don't remember his name fuck that guy like they spent all this like that's How could something you not that's what they do the name of the rapist, rapist brock, brock turner, turner. <laughs> but that's the thing is it's like <laughs> They will focus on, oh, he did all this good stuff, so it makes sense that the prosecution will be like, oh, well, he did all this bad. Like, that's, it's human nature. It's what we do. Yeah. Ugh. So thank you all for listening to this very interesting, very depressing episode of Homegrown Horror. If you would like to talk to us, if you want to talk about what's the coolest thing you got at a yard sale, um, let us know if you have any questions for Lucy. Uh, You can reach out to us at homegrownhorrorpod at gmail.com or reach out to us on our Instagram at homegrownhorrorpod. As always, you know obligation. We would love it if you did like us. You could leave us some stars and maybe a review. Even if you just want to engage and say like, hey, middle of the road, three stars. I guess that's fine. I got, but, I got one. <laughs> yeah. I got one. I, other pods have done this. 
John Gabris did it. Um, rate me five stars and roast me. <laughs> Give me five stars and roast me. Yeah, we have one one star review. I would l- ideally like to keep it at that. Oh, st- <laughs> oh, stop! Stop focusing on. I'm being on silly. That one. I'm being, I'm being silly, but no, we we more decent reviews. More than anything else, we are just happy that you're here, that you're listening to us, and we thank you for tuning in once again. And we will see you all next time. Bye. Bye.